0: Hello and welcome to Dig Deep, the podcast about sport, faith, and life. I'm Brian Bolt, Dean of Education and Men's Golf Coach at Calvin University. And I'm Chad Carlson, Professor of Kinesiology and Director of General Education at Hope College. And we're coming to you from the audio studios of Our Daily Bread. Our Daily Bread Ministries helps millions of people connect with God each day. For more than 75 years, their purpose has remained the same, to reach people with a life-changing wisdom of the Bible. This is the official podcast of the Second Global Congress
1: on Sport and Christianity, held October 23-27, to 27, 2019, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at Calvin University, where we'll be digging deep on issues related to sport,
0: faith, and life. Our guest today is Bruce Wozniak. He's the host of Catholic Sports Radio and has worked in sport for actually many decades. He has worked in many parts of sport. Um, and we're excited to hear about his work with Catholic Sports Radio. But, Bruce, first of all, welcome to the show, and could you just tell us a little bit about uh, how you kind of arrived in this place?
2: Sure, thanks for having me. I arrived here by being raised by a father. I mean, I was obviously raised by both of my parents, but my dad was a sports nut, and so we were always watching sports at home when we were kids. I played a little bit of basketball, was on the high school bowling team you know things like that that typically you go through in childhood years and I was always somebody who would pretend that he was the announcer as I was watching sports as I was growing up and so when I got to college and was majoring in media communications it was kind of ironic that I ended up getting led down the path of public relations and yet Broadcasting followed me around, which tends to happen with a PR guy in sports because I did work in the National Hockey League for 10 seasons. At the same time, for the last six of those, I was working for a team in North America's premier pro indoor lacrosse league, which is known these days as the National Lacrosse League. And so when that underwent a big changeover, they moved to the league office changed the name of it to like i said now being called the nll and i was working for three years as the vice president of public relations at the league office and just had really fallen in love with the sport unfortunately it got to a point where they were going to move the league office and i was kind of i don't want to say at a crossroads in my life but had always kind of thought about relocating and how many people at some point in their life don't think of moving to florida (laughs) there it is (laughs) So uh, I made the jump, and lo and behold, it just continued to follow me. Even though I moved to Florida, I was still being flown back up to Columbus, Ohio, to be on the broadcast team of the expansion lacrosse team that they got there. A year or two later, I moved to the Tampa area. And I had been in Jacksonville, and all of a sudden, one of the former owners from one of the lacrosse teams started up an expansion franchise in Orlando and asked me to do the same thing. I was going over there, and I was either on the regional sports network announcing their games or on the ESPN radio affiliate when it wasn't a TV game. And I ended up working for 10 and a half years as the director of communications for the International Softball Federation, which is the world-governing body for the sport. So I was at two different Olympic games, and we would have – Tournaments all over the world, and lo and behold, I would end up doing broadcasts of those games, too. Down in Venezuela, I remember doing games for the World Championship. So, as I said, even though there I was pursuing a career path in sports public relations, I ended up doing all kinds of broadcasting along the way. And still to this day, I do the lacrosse games, both the men's lacrosse games and the women's lacrosse games for the University of Tampa. So, broadcasting, like I said, has always followed me around, and of course, Over the last five and a half years, I've taken that into the podcasting world and uh, just really enjoyed it. Just been really blessed with all these opportunities that I've gotten throughout my professional career.
1: So there are certain jobs in the sport industry, Bruce, that are a little bit more intuitive than others, right? So someone's a coach. We understand what that is. Someone's the president of a team. We understand what that is. What are some of the things that outside the broadcasting that you're doing as the director of public relations for a particular team or a league?
2: Well, it's a very diverse list, Chad, but you're typically doing things like publications, press releases, a lot of media relations. And the publications, by the way, could range anywhere from the game day magazine that the fans purchase when they come in to the media guide that the press is using when they're covering your team, your league, your sport, whatever it is. And it's funny because a lot of people, when you're working for a team, they think that during the off season you don't work or you don't do anything (laughs) and you just show up at work and kind of put your feet up on the desk and read the newspaper. And what are we doing for lunch today? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, that was always a real busy time for me because I can remember working in the NHL and having to do the team's media guide in the off season. And that was a bear. That's quite a chore to tackle. So yeah, anything from press releases to publications, to working with the media, issuing media passes, Obviously, you're doing post-game press conferences with the coach and helping the media with the individual player interviews. So that's a really busy role, and it's something that really was very demanding time-wise. Because especially on a game day, you're there by 9 a.m. at the latest, and you probably don't leave until maybe 11 o'clock at night, 11:30, because you're there for every game. And it's the same thing when I was at the Olympics. You know, because I was working for the ISF and not for one specific team, and I'm the chief press officer, I had to be at every game every day. So, you know, you come yeah. back from some of those trips and people want to hear about the sightseeing that they assume that you did <laughs> in these countries, and, you know, all I could tell them about was what I saw when I would leave, in the, leave the hotel in the morning and go to the stadium and what I'd see on the, on the ride back to the hotel, it was just kind of a wash, rinse, repeat type cycle.
0: You know, Chad and I, are uh, we have both spent time in college sports, and we obviously are connected to our own media directors, right? And so we see the work they do, and I can tell you, uh, I do not want to do that job. Just by the pure <laughs> hours that they show up, and, and sometimes I'll look, and I, uh, our sports media guy's name is Jeff Phoebus and often I'll see emails at 1 or 2 a.m. And uh, it's just, its like you said, it's very behind the scenes and somewhat thankless. If we get a little bit deeper into just that part of your role, you've got a lot of different roles, but just a little deeper into that part of your role, I'm kind of curious about the message and the idea that uh, sometimes some of the stuff that's put out is fashioned in a particular way that it, it just doesn't it doesn't ring true, or it may not ring true to you. Were you ever in a in a dilemma or a circumstance where you were asked to push something out or create an image that? Um, just didn't sit right with you?
2: You know, I was in a lot of situations, unfortunately, where you have to spring into crisis management mode. Nothing is Mm. springing to mind immediately of what you're describing, but I would not wish upon any sports PR person to have to go through the things that I went through, which was anything from we were at a time when jumbotrons as you call them were kind of just coming into fashion we had moved into a new arena and lo and behold thankfully nothing was going on nobody was hurt no nothing was there was no one around but the scoreboard fell from Mm. the ceiling to the floor and crashed wow and that's something where all of a sudden i don't want to say you go into panic mode but you know, nobody can prepare you for a scoreboard falling. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Certainly people will go through, we had the death of our team owner, or our team founder, and that's not something that you really like to go through. Just No one likes to experience death to begin with, but this was someone who was, you know, really embraced by the community and so well-known and was synonymous with the team for years and years. And then fast-forwarding to my years in softball, that's where... And and I guess this might speak a little bit, Brian, to to what you're asking. I was really amazed how much politics was involved Mm -hmm. in the Olympic movement. Maybe I was naive, but you see on the outside, like you say, the message that's being presented. This is pure, it's wholesome, it's amateur athletics at its top level and to get into it and see how much politics was actually involved was very disheartening to me, Mm -hmm. and I didn't enjoy being in that environment. Then when they dropped softball from the Olympics, that in itself was rather dramatic in the sense of there did seem to be some backroom dealings, some politics at play there, and so all of a sudden you're in a posture where, again, it's like the scoreboard falling. You could never dropping an Olympic sport was unheard of. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, you're really in reaction mode, and then you finally let the dust settle, and you say, okay, now we have to be proactive instead of reactive and start to put out messaging on why the sport deserves to be in there. So you're not really doing anything at that point where you're putting out a message you don't believe in. You're all of a sudden having to defend yourself, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. The messaging, Bruce, seems like you know, such a difficult part of all this that it it may appear at times oh, all, that, that what the public relations director, what the sports information groups are doing is simply relaying what happened. But there's so many of these forces that you alluded to. You know, some of them relate to the Olympics. Uh, in, in my mind, you know, you're dealing with the ISF, you're dealing with the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, you're dealing with uh, each of the teams which are representing a particular country. Are those some of the forces that you're alluding to?
2: those are a lot of the major players that are involved, but I would say that it's the IOC at that point that you're working hardest against because Mm. you have to convince them. And so think about it. You know, as Christians, we battle our egos because Satan wants us to make it all about ourselves, where we know that everything that we do should be for the Lord. And so in that case, you are having to very much pop your chest out and say, okay, here's who we are, here's why we're good. But the IOC is dealing with ego in the sense that they're thinking, well, you're going to have egg on your face if you overturn a decision that you just made. Despite the case that this sport is making to you, you have to pop your chest out and say, well, thank you, softball. However, our decision is firm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
2: it's really an uphill battle at that point to say, look, here are the criteria that we know that we meet and can you please overturn the decision that you just made even though the entire sporting community is going to read and say, well, I guess they did an about face on that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, transitioning then a little bit into this world, I'm I'm curious. You said that uh, public relations really was your your first draw, and yet there was always this sort of beckoning to uh, broadcasting. And uh, and I watch broadcasters, or I listen to broadcasters, and I'm always amazed at what they're able to do and accomplish. But not having a background really in a particular sport, how do you how have you approached say lacrosse? I don't know if you ever played lacrosse but how would you approach uh, talking about specific sports uh, from a broadcaster's perspective if if you had maybe a limited background in that particular sport?
2: Well, lacrosse, I was really blessed because, number one, it was the indoor version that I was introduced to first that I was (laughs) more or less forced to work in. Mm -hmm. And although there was some resistance at first for the reasons that you're describing, I really had no knowledge of it and also had a misguided opinion. And so I was very fortunate that the team embraced me because they thought, wow, the hockey team is assigning one of their PR people to work for us.
0: Hmm. You
2: know, we're going to have that kind of access. So they embraced me back and said, don't worry, we'll teach you all about it. Now, indoor lacrosse, when you look at it, you kind of stop and smirk and scratch your head and say, wait a minute, this looks like hockey being played on artificial turf. (laughs) There it is. That's the story here. Because you have five players out there in front of a goalie who's guarding a net. So you say, yeah, that's hockey. Well, no, it's lacrosse, but. And so I was very fortunate that I was able to pick it up because of the similarities to hockey and having been a lifelong hockey person. And so having these people who taught me right away, it was for their own good. It benefited them to make sure that their PR guy knew what he was talking about because it would get them more promotion. And then, of course, I was able to leverage the relationships that I already had with the media so that we were getting press coverage in the newspaper, on the 11 o'clock news, all the places that you're used to seeing the hockey team get coverage. And it didn't hurt that the community just embraced the sport so quickly that by our third home game, we were selling out the same arena that the hockey team was playing in. So that was really a perfect storm because it ended up that the team started winning championships and I was able to get three championship rings over my years with the team because they felt that you're one of us. You know, there was one point in time where the coaches actually sat me down and said, you know, we meet regularly. And in one of our recent meetings, we decided we want to make you an honorary member of the coaching staff. Hmm.
0: And Uh, that's great.
2: I was just treated so well by them. And you know, the players, like I said, would do the same as the coach and the GM and say, you know, here's some things I can tell you that maybe you're not aware of, and all of a sudden you kind of know the intricacies. It was really more taking the outdoor game when the University of Tampa hired me and saying, okay, now I need to learn a little bit of a different aspect of that. You're right. You know, I do have to kind of catch up on and sound knowledgeable in, as the broadcaster, because otherwise
1: you will get emailed.
2: Sure, <laughs> People, absolutely. <laughs> I watch the broadcast, and uh, what's he doing talking about X when it should be Y? <laughs> right.
1: So we have softball, hockey, lacrosse. I mean, w- what a cool spread of sports throughout your career. You've, you've developed a lot of relationships. Talk about uh, the experiences you've had re- related to faith and some of the relationships with the athletes, the coaches, the front office, all those you've worked with in the sport industry.
2: Yeah, that's something that obviously is a bonus. Um, you know, for whatever reason, we as Christians, we don't, I don't want to say wear a heart on our sleeve, but <clears throat> excuse me, you certainly don't lead with your faith, unfortunately, in business situations. But we also do know as Christians that it's easy to recognize faster when you are looking for it. And so mm-hmm. it has been nice, especially when you hear, and it could be something very subtle, somebody make a reference to, we've been really blessed, or you can say that, you know, I prayed about a decision, and so all of a sudden, and I've really found that for whatever reason, the softball girls were the ones who were the most open with their fates, Mm. and you would see them either with a cross necklace or some, maybe a, a wristband that would have maybe a Bible verse on it, or a couple that would actually have, you know, a tattoo of a cross or of a Bible verse or you would ask them to fill out forms so that you could write those media guides that we were talking about before and they would write something personal on there and they would say, you know, before every at-bat I recite, you know, insert Bible verse here. And so I think that they were the ones that I found to be the most open with their faith. It doesn't mean that the lacrosse players or the hockey players weren't. It was just these girls were very proud of of their Christian faith and didn't hesitate to let people know about it.
0: Yeah, I always find that interesting. Uh, you know, in casual conversations with groups of people that we only know a little, uh, sport tends to be a connector, right? It, it's an opportunity. All of a sudden you find out somebody else knows something about lacrosse or hockey or basketball or whatever you're interested in, and that becomes uh, a way to connect. But it it is true that as Christians we— um, we're reassured when the the clues are there that somebody else is a Christian as well. And you can see those things with your eyes wide open, and I think that's the Holy Spirit can, working its way in and through the situation. What an exciting thing to be out there and just get reassured that there are other Christians around you, um, and you've experienced that in the work that you've done. Let's.
2: Yeah, and I don't remember how I found out, but it's ironic that when I was working in the Olympic movement, there I was in 2004 in Athens and four years later in 2008 in Beijing. And the head coach for Team USA was Mike Candrea, who has coached for years and years at the University of Arizona. And little did I know he's a devout Catholic. And so it was only some years later after that, that I found this out about his faith life. And so I didn't hesitate when I launched Catholic Sports Radio to get back in touch with him and make sure that he was one of the first guests on there and really ended up telling a great story because I did know when we were all in Athens in 2004 that his wife had just died 10 days before it started Mm. and had this brain aneurysm that took her very fast. So here you are about to go on the world stage in a tremendous opportunity coaching at the Olympics and you're dealing with this unexpected death of your spouse And so he went on to tell me many, many years later in our Catholic Sports Radio interview how his faith was able to help him get through that. But again, we talked about the players being so faithful as well that because they were such good Christians, they were able to help him through that journey.
0: Hmm. So you started to open up a little bit to us about Catholic Sports Radio. And I'm sure many of our listeners uh, may not know what that is, and so we'd love to hear a little bit more about how that started, uh, where you access it, and uh, maybe some, just some highlights that have happened over sort of its, its early life.
2: Sure. I actually, in a roundabout way, you could say had been called to it in September of 2012, and... I was on a riverboat on a business trip in Brazil. I was on the Amazon River. and
0: I have a lot of stories that start already, like that.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> had already kind of determined at that time that when I got back from that trip that I was going to be giving my two weeks notice and leaving the ISF. And it was for something that I was going to pursue that was going to be Catholic-based. That was going to be my new full-time endeavor. And unfortunately, it went the wrong way within maybe about a year's time, but I never lost the idea of combining our faith life and our sports life. And so fast forward to the podcast that I've done for five and a half years, and this idea never left my head of combining faith and sports, and I thought, you know, here I am doing this other podcast that I do every week, and I've gotten listeners from 147 countries around the world I have all this great equipment. I have all this knowledge. I think the Lord has blessed me with all this to use it to glorify Him. Why not make a show out of that concept of the intersection of your faith life and your sports life? So Satan, of course, didn't like that idea and was really trying to get me to bury that idea. In July of 2018, I went and sat with my pastor, told him the idea. He loved it, was very supportive, gave me some advice, even recommended a few guests. Of course. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I just kind of—the notebook would get pushed further and further to the corner of my desk, and I would tell myself, you need to get that going. And finally, I started telling myself, well, if I'm going to only interview Catholics— now, mind you, this is current or former athletes, coaches. When I say officials, I mean umpires or referees— clergy, administrators, Catholics that have one of those or have had one of those roles in sports, you think, well, that's probably a big pool. But I started telling myself, that's probably going to be pretty difficult to find, and maybe I shouldn't plan for a show that's going to be every week. And, and guys, as soon as I had that thought, as soon as I had that thought, I told myself, that's Satan trying to talk you out of doing it. You're going to do it every week now. It was almost, I'll show you. So I really kind of rolled up my sleeves at that point and said, let me make the list and started putting together this list of Catholics that I knew in sports and started making some contact and told myself, it's not one of those New Year's resolution things. It just happened to be what time of the year it was. I thought, okay, once the calendar changes over and January starts, I'm going to start recording some interviews. So the first Monday in February of this year, I launched the first episode of Catholic Sports Radio, and now I'm up to 27 episodes that are out, so 27 consecutive Mondays I've released an episode. And it's every Monday morning, but of course it's podcast, so they're available anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I always tell people to start at catholicsportsradio.net because you can listen there, but then there's all kinds of links there so that you can go and get it instead if you prefer from Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the iHeartRadio app. Stitcher, Overcast, there's so many out there. And we do have a long, long list of them on that website. But, yeah, some of the stories that I've heard have just been wonderful. Most recently, I interviewed Rich Donnelly, who was a longtime manager. Well, I should say coach, because when we think of manager in baseball, he's kind of the head guy. And Rich held several coaching positions in Major League Baseball for 25 years and nowadays he is a manager of a minor league team but told a great great story on that episode about unfortunately having lost his daughter when she was only 19 years old but again there was a lot of sports involved in his story and it just shows you that these guests that i talk to are human also so we look at guys like that and All you see is his name being attached to Major League Baseball or a National Hockey League player that I interviewed. There's another guy who he rose to number one in the world as a heavyweight boxer. And unfortunately, our society is conditioned to look at these people and put them up on a pedestal and think that their life is glamorous and everything is perfect. And in fact, they come on and tell you how their faith does come first in their life and that they're blessed to have these successes, but they also tell you about the challenges that they go to just like we all go through. So it's great to hear this testimony because it gives encouragement that, look, you're not alone in the struggles that you're going through, but at the same time, we're really working to show people that sports are great and there's so many terrific qualities to participating in sport. However, we can't lose sight of what should come first in our life, which is our faith life. And so we're here to worship God. We're not here to worship sports or worship big contracts or worship these superstars who are making names for themselves in whatever their sport is. And I've really been happy with the way that the show has gone so far, because by and large, the guests get it, and they're really thrilled to be asked to come on and, and for once not have to talk about wins and losses statistics mm-hmm. and statistics mm-hmm. and do the same usual interview that the traditional sports media is always doing with them.
1: The The types of interviews that, that you had traditionally probably given throughout much of your career, um, the, the list of Catholic sports radio podcast episodes and interviews is compelling, and as varied as the personalities that... Uh, uh, that you're, you're interviewing. Um, I'm, I'm interested Bruce in, in you speaking a little bit more about, um, the ways in which you've taken this leap of faith into, I'm not, I'm going to do this every week. I'm going to find somebody every week. And, you know, with your extensive contacts in the sport industry, no doubt that's been easy through the first 20 some episodes, um, How are you finding some of these leads now after sort of your own relations, uh, your relationships that have driven some of the early interviews have been exhausted? How are you finding the new ones now?
2: Believe it or not, I really feel as though God told me, you do the podcast, I'll get you the guests, because Mm. the list has grown from, I think when I was ready to record episode one, I think I had about 48, 49, maybe 50 people on the list right now the list is, I think it's at 102. So in six months, the list has doubled, and the Lord just keeps bringing people across my path. A lot of times it's me asking a guest after I press stop on the recording, hey, thanks for doing this. This, I really enjoyed it. It's going to come out on insert date here. By the way, if you know of anyone else that's Catholic, that's in sports, who is a coach, who is an athlete, who is a—and I give them the list— And so some of them have been able to give me referrals. Some people, it's really not too different from my other podcast, where nowadays one of the blessings of social media is if you sit on Instagram long enough, (laughs) or Mm -hmm. if you sit on Twitter long enough, you will find these people. But I really know that that prayer has, has brought a lot of these people across my desk, and there are people that you'd be surprised that you talk to who end up telling you about a potential guest that you wouldn't really expect to be able to get a referral from but they tell you and of course one of the things i have to do the research on is are they in fact catholic and number two just because you're catholic and you have some connection to sports doesn't mean that you're a good interview guest you could be someone who i go to church every sunday and i used to coach at such and such a college for 15 years but that's it if this person isn't really deep in their walk, then you say, well, what am I going to talk to them about for 22 minutes? So there does have to be an element where you kind of broach that subject with a guest of, tell me about your faith life before we just bring you on the show, because we're not going to talk about wins and losses and statistics. So are you involved in any ministries? Are you involved in? And you kind of hold their hand and lead them to tell you where you can kind of get right away that, okay, this person is going to be qualified as the type of guest that I'm looking for. So I'm not sitting there at the five minutes, 17 second mark, think, thinking, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> for the next right. and a half minutes.
0: <laughs> You know, Bruce, you talk about prayer and the power of prayer in all aspects of our life, but also our, our enterprises, our careers. And, um, in this case you felt led to be able to, uh, Introduce this this new thing. You had kind of a vision to do it, and even with the barriers that were there, you you press through it. And that's a compelling story. It's a compelling story for us, Chad and I, as we're um, about to embark on this uh, global congress. We're headed into October, and October twenty three through twenty seven. This congress will br- draw in people from all around the world, uh, and. The focus of it is sport and Christianity and that that connection. One of the things we're trying to do is be as ecumenical as possible. In other words, we're trying to bring in uh, Christians from every different faith background. And that's been fascinating to try to pull some of those things together. It makes perfect sense in Catholic Sports Radio for you to interview Catholic Christians. And um, that is— that is that gives you some common language, we're trying to come up with language that sort of speaks to um, maybe a larger set of Christians. And that's a that can be challenging, but I, I think it's been fun for us. Um, we included Catholic um, leaders on our advisory board. Uh, we have Catholic speakers, and uh, we have one Catholic keynote speaker as well. And so we're really excited about how this whole con. Com- Conversation really is going to come together, and I'm, and I'm sure that you and your, um, and all your different roles have mixed with Christians from all different faith backgrounds, and we all have Jesus Christ in common. Can, can we, as we close this out, can you talk a little bit about how um, you have sort of made that work? And you're not trying to be exclusive. At the same time, um, you want to just sort of value that Catholic language and that Catholic faith.
2: Yeah, and in some of the marketing that I do for the show, I do go out of my way to let people know that you don't have to be Catholic to listen to the show, and I think these stories that the guests are telling really almost make you forget that there is this Catholic thread woven throughout the show from week to week, because as you just said, we're all following Jesus and the lessons that He gave us, and so when you hear these stories, you say, I needed to hear this person say this. And if it happened to be the Catholic priest who is the team priest for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so be it. At the same time, if it was someone who just finished playing a great college softball career, her message resonated with you, and that's what's most important. And I always say that if there is something about Catholic sports radio that leads somebody just a little bit closer into their faith, then thank you, God, that you used me as the vehicle to help them get there. Because my thought is there could be people listening to the show who have fallen away from the church, and maybe it's something that they're going to hear that's going to make them say, okay, maybe I should go to church on Sunday. Or maybe it's somebody who goes to church every Sunday, but it's just because they want to check it off the list. And now they hear the show and think, huh, I didn't know that there's any connection between sports and faith. i probably should pay attention a little bit more at the Mass every Sunday. Or there could be people who are just really on fire and listen to the show, and it helps just keep them that much more enthusiastic about their faith that now they want to go out and evangelize more. And there was this word that I always used to hear in my years in the Olympic movement, which I always would kind of scratch my head and think, is that even really a word? But they would talk about the universality of of sports. Hmm. That's where the beauty is of us as Christians and us as sports practitioners, is we can all come together, regardless of which denomination we are, and regardless of which sport or sports plural we represent, and we can all, as the body of Christ, unite together and talk about our faith life and our sports life, and of course, as I said before, making sure that the faith life is the part that we're putting first, and I'm I'm excited. I'm really honored to be part of the Congress, and I'm really looking forward to being there and meeting others from whatever sport they're from and whatever Christian denomination they're from.
1: Well, Bruce, we are so encouraged by um, your story. We're encouraged by the ways in which Catholic Sports Radio is growing uh, because of your faith and because of the ways that... Um, God is blessing what's going on there. And we're also so excited to have you come into the event and to be speaking about some of your experiences and um, some of the experiences of some of the athletes that you've interacted with. And so this is going to be a a really
0: cool connection that we have, and we really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you, Bruce, for coming on the podcast. And also thank you for the good work that you're doing in Catholic Sports Radio. Um, We really look forward to meeting you in person.
2: Likewise, guys. Thanks so much for your time. Let me be on the guest side for once. And again, thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to speaking at the Congress in October.
0: You're a terrific guest. This has been Dig Deep, the podcast about sport, faith, and life. And we're out.